welcome to the Wise Up Texas podcast. Wise Up Texas is a nonpartisan nonprofit empowering and educating Texas South Asians to be informed voters and partake in civic engagement. You can visit our website, wiseuptx.org, and find us on all social media platforms. This is Poonam Kaji, Wise Up Texas board member and today's host. So we're back with the podcast episode because, as you should know, the primaries are running right now. So um, early voting has already begun, and these are the March 2024 primaries where we decide who will be on the ballot in the final November election for 2024. Um, Just some reminders on key voting deadlines. Um, Early voting has already started, and it ends on Friday, March 1st. Election day is Tuesday, March 5th. So remind your family and friends for the primaries, you in Texas, you either vote on the Democratic primary or the Republican primary. We're really excited to have a podcast episode speaking to one of the people who would be high up on your ballot if you are voting in the Democratic primary. Um, this is uh, the U.S. Senate race, and so whoever wins on the Democratic primary will be up against the Republican candidate, which will likely be the incumbent Ted Cruz. Um, And on the Democratic side, there are a number of candidates running. Today we have with us Roland Gutierrez, who is currently in the Texas State Senate um, and represents Texans from San Antonio to Uvalde to down to the border. Um, So I'm just gonna jump to letting Roland take the show from here and tell us more about his experience. So Roland, first of all, welcome and thank you. And tell us like why why this race? Why right now? Um, what's the purpose behind your campaign? Uh, thank you, Putnam. Thank you for the time. It has been an honor serving the people of uh, San Antonio and West Texas, South Texas for so many years. Uh, in the last four as a state senator and prior to that state representative and city council person a million years ago in San Antonio. But I will tell you that uh, if you'd have told me that I was going to run for the United States Senate, you know, two years back, I would have told you you were crazy. But this moment that happened in Uvalde, Texas, on May 24th, 2022 now, it's going to be two years, uh, changed my worldview. It changed my life, honestly. And for those families that are now my friends and my extended family, uh, it wrecked their lives forever and they are forever destroyed they are forever the only thing that they have to look forward to is a duller sense of pain i just spent time with about four or five families two days ago then i see them often and i talk to them just about every week you know we have to put an end to this madness in this country and we really are in a place in a time right now Uh, i know the president calls it an existential crisis Uh, certainly it's that I think we're really in trouble. I think we're in trouble as a state and as a nation by forces that choose to not just divide us, more than that, the forces that quite frankly, uh, you know, I perceive as evil, forces that only care about money uh, rather than people. Uh, It's not just the gun violence issues. It's the attack on women's reproductive freedoms. It's the attack on It's the inability to be able to understand that people are hurting financially and economically in a real way. We absolutely are running to have Medicare for all because it's a right and just 
proposal. Look, we are unique in guns. We kill more kids than any other nation in the world because of loose Republican gun laws, but we're also unique on health care. Most leading countries in the world have a single-payer model. Medicare for all that want it would save us $30 trillion over the course of the next 10 years. And so it's a healthcare component, it's a justice component, but it's also a, an economic component because working class families are digging into their pockets about 10 to 12 percent, about 20 percent of their uh, of their revenue. We're broken on so many things in this state. We're broken in an electric grid that doesn't work when it gets a little cold. We just saw that yet again three, four, five weeks ago. Uh, we're broken in a state where 800 people died because that electrical grid didn't work. We have to understand what's happening. And the, what we hear daily from Republicans is this invading horde of migrants going to come to kill us all. And it's just nonsense. I'm the son of immigrants. Uh, this country is made on the backs of immigrants. We have to push back against this nativism because it doesn't get us anywhere as a nation. We cannot accept it as a premise. My opponent in this primary has accepted it as a premise rather than the understanding that he and Congress needs to fix it. It's not a president. When he signed a resolution, I'm talking about Congressman Allred, calling Joe Biden an open borders president. We don't win anything when you do that. When you sign on to a, a resolution that reads something like out of Fox News, we get nowhere. And so we have to understand that we're truly on fire on things that Republicans have broken in Texas. But the only way we're going to fix them is by truly, I call it a revolution, and maybe that's extreme, but we have to fight back. And the only way we can fight back is with our voices and our pens and our votes. And really, it's the latter. I think communities of interest, marginalized communities across this state need to band together, and they need to vote in mass to create real change because America looks like us. It's not one monolithic group. It looks like all of us immigrants. We need to get yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you've touched on so many incredible points in, in your in your short introduction of why. Um, and I think the immigration issue is certainly a topic that um, is of interest to to our followers and our community and the country as a whole. I, th I think the the scary part of watching gun violence, you know, most recently at the Super Bowl celebration and realizing that many children were actually shot there. And it feels like we've become numb to those headlines, um, you know, or the children who are experiencing hardship um, at the border, whether they're coming across from from somewhere else, right, that there seems to be a numbness to the hardship of children. Um, and it's something that's really stood out to me. And so it does make sense that what happened in Uvalde would put this spark in you and inspire you to to take on the the really difficult issues that we need to face, not only as a state, but as a country. Um, I, I want to ask you a little bit about what you've been doing because you've been a lawmaker in, in the state Senate so far. And, you know, you talk about how Texas looks like all of us when you think about the census data. I know for Asian Americans, we've been talking about how impactful the Asian American population growth has been in Texas. It's uh, quite remarkable. Um, 
based on, you know, this census data versus 10 years ago. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, brag, brag about some of your wins in, in the Texas Senate, some of the things that you learned already being a lawmaker? Yeah, no, well, listen, I've gotten a lot of things done in a place where I shouldn't have gotten anything done, quite honestly. They have controlled the legislature for 30 years in both the House and the Senate. In the House, I passed the National Center for Warrior Resiliency, which allowed um, which allowed veterans to wean themselves off of opioids, the same opioids that they were strung out on by the U.S. government, in a 30-day inpatient program at no cost to their own at the University of Texas in San Antonio, as well as in El Paso. We, just two sessions ago, created the Farmer Suicide Prevention Act as an amendment Republicans voted it down. I brought it back up in a certain bill, and we were able to make it happen. And so while that might not affect some of your listeners or people listening to this podcast, the fact is farmers have the highest incidence of suicide by profession in the nation. It was brought to me by uh, actually an Asian woman whose father killed himself when she lost the family, when he lost the family farm to economic hardship. He could not live with himself. And, um, and and so in the pain that it caused his family. And so she brought me this bill that she had seen in North Texas, in, in northern states. It went nowhere as she expected, as I expected. But the amendment was important. Last year, we passed it. And last year, Sid Miller, we all know who Sid Miller is, the, the commissioner of agriculture, very far right person. He went into a committee and asked for a million dollars for the program that I passed. And he said, because of the Gutierrez Amendment, we saved 61 lives. That might not mean anything to a lot of people, but to me, it's it's amazing. Now, 35 states are copying that program. So we've also built a hospital in South Texas. We've done many things where we in all likelihood shouldn't. But the fact is, I have a rule book and I have an amendment process to box people into corners. That's how you get things done, by fighting and pushing back, not by holding hands with Republicans and expecting them to vote for us in November just because we you know, throw the president under the bus. You don't get to win that way. You don't get unless you fight back. You don't get anything. And that's the philosophy that I've had for some time in the Texas legislature. Well, yeah, I think... Uh... You know, the the U.S. Senate is definitely a, a beast, um, but the Texas legislature is, is a you know, to have some wins um, as part of the minority party is, is a pretty big deal. And actually, it's interesting. I, I, I don't want to speak too much about it because it's not exactly on topic and I'm not the most knowledgeable about it. But in um, India, there's a lot of attention on farmers and their strife, um, specifically in the state of Punjab. So I think it's a topic, you know, universally where people who provide our, our food and our agriculture, um, we need to make sure we're, we're taking care of our, our people in our community. Um, I, I want to kind of continue our thread of, of, of children and the way that you've spoken up about um, things that matter when it comes to, to kids. And, and in fact, I, I want to ask you specifically because you've been a candidate that's been outspoken on the topic of the humanitarian loss of life, the devastation in Gaza. And um, as we know, you know, every human life is valuable, but the fact that so many children there have been impacted. Um, I want to give you a moment because I think it's an issue where maybe you may be the only person, actually, I'm, I couldn't say that with certainty, but I'm probably one of the few who've spoken up on this. And I'd, I'd like to give you the opportunity to tell us more about your position on that. 
Yeah, I I, I got to tell you, um, it has been for me a, a momentous time. About eleven weeks ago, I was asked by KXAN if if what I felt about a ceasefire, and they asked my opponent and Colin Allred the same thing. And he responded with his answer that Israel has a right to defend itself and they should keep bombing. And I said, no, they have to stop and we must have a ceasefire. That phrase for me didn't come as just because it was the politically expedient thing to do. As a matter of fact, I've gotten a lot of hell for it from a lot of people. I asked a Jewish mom, a Jewish person came to me and she was very upset. I said, look, what's the difference between an Israeli mother losing a 10-year-old daughter and a Palestinian mother? losing her 10-year-old daughter. She says, well, I guess none. And I said, that's right. There is no difference. You're never going to bring justice to 1,200 souls by killing 30,000 and the vast majority of them, women and children with no military mission, bombing mosques and schools and apartment buildings with nothing other than just a mission that you're there to destroy. The young congressman has no understanding of who Benjamin Netanyahu is. Benjamin Netanyahu is not a just actor. He has never wanted peace in Gaza, in the Middle East. He is just not for it. He doesn't under, have an understanding of the powder keg that it can become in Hezbollah and Yemen and Iran waiting in the wings. And so this country and this president must exhaust themselves towards peace and must exhaust themselves for a two-state solution. More very recently, I've said something I've added to my comments. We cannot and must not give Israel any more money. The fact is, if we give Israel more money without a plan for peace, then we are complicit in this madness. And um, we will never get peace to me is something that is crucial, not just for this part of the world, but for the entire world. We don't get anywhere uh, as a country and as a world nation, as, as, a, as, as a world community, by having us tear each other apart. It's really, we people need to understand this in a, at a very holistic level. Um, and so that's part of my conclusions that I've come up with this. But I, I've seen all, I've seen dead kids. I see, I saw every bit of the body cam footage in Ivalde. And we've seen some footage of dead women and children in Gaza. I think that Americans need to understand what Gaza looks like, and it's 25 miles long, and at its widest, seven miles, half the size of Austin, Texas, with two million people. And within the first week, Netanyahu says, move south, I'm bombing the north. And a week later, he said, I'm bombing the south. And so we have to have a real, real understanding of who these actors are. This guy is not Yitzhak Rabin. He's not Shimon Peres. He is a Donald Trump and yet worse actor, world actor. And we need to be very careful of this. Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, Wise Up Texas has spoken up on this topic because we know it's really important to our to our listeners and to our followers. And um, like you, we've, you know, said the release of hostages is very important. And what happened in October is a tragedy, but the the result is, is just... It, it, what we've had to all witness um, and feel complicit in, as you said, you know, it, it, it's been really horrific. And I think it, it is more than just, uh, um, you know, what impacts the other side of the world. It it's, uh, it's, has to do with the United States position in the, the 
global scope and it has to do with how our citizens feel in terms of feeling protected. It's it's hard for people to feel like their lives matter when you see um, the way people are being treated and the way their, their lives are being discounted. Um, and I do wanna just tell our listeners, like if, if you're feeling jaded, if you're feeling burnt down, from seeing all of this and and it's making you feel less motivated to vote, I really hope people take the opposite approach, right? This is all the more reason that we need to vote. We need to tell our, uh, whether it's an incumbent or we need to tell our, our folks what, what kind of candidates we're really looking for um, and what kind of position we expect when something like this happens in the world. No, I think that that's important. If I if I could inter interrupt there, yeah. because we have many uh, Muslims and Arabs right now that are saying, well, I'm not going to go vote for Biden. Consider the alternative. And the alternative is a guy who absolutely um, created a Muslim ban. Let's let's not let's not forget that. So if we don't vote for Biden, we are in effect voting for Trump. If you vote for my opponent, you're voting for my opponent that says that Israel should keep bombing. And I'm sorry, but Israel must stop bombing innocents. They should they must stop bombing. You can you can still go after Hamas. You can still knock door to door or in a police-like investigative manner go after Hamas insurgents. But the fact is, the only way you're going to get those hostages back is by creating a pathway to peace and a two-state solution that makes sense. And this guy in Benjamin Netanyahu has never wanted that. And this country must put incredible pressure on him to finally come to terms with the fact that there is no other alternative, but that's peace and a two-state solution. And we have to stop you know, putting more settlers in those settlements. I mean, those were Arab territories. Let's be very clear here. It's just you don't I, I don't I fear that many Americans, you know, of non-Muslim or Arab descent, they don't have a they don't have an understanding of the politics and the history of this area. Yeah. And it's not just this one sided view. And I have many Jewish and Israeli friends, but this is not just this one sided view. You have to have a holistic view of this thing. And my opponent, sadly, only sees this from his donor base. And so if you don't vote, you're in effect putting in people like Colin Allred, like Donald Trump, that want to see an alternative that doesn't have us in this equation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to thank you for spending so much time on that topic because I, I know this is a short conversation, and um, but it's an important one and I appreciate it. I want to round out the interview with just giving you the opportunity to to tell our listeners and followers anything else they need to know about you to get prepared to vote and um you know what would be your your message to them as they're studying the ballot and getting ready yeah i think uh, my message is really that we are on fire right now as a state and as a nation and as a world i don't know if we can quell what's going on right now in this country and in the world and in this state. But if we move collectively, and I mean progressive-minded people, with a notion that we want peace, that we want, that through peace comes prosperity, that we want everybody to have a chance at this American dream, that we want to have a middle class that actually works again, 
and that can work for working class families. I think that that's what this is about. We just want a chance. Nobody wants a handout. We just want an opportunity because the doors have been closing for years, year after year in this state. And they're closing because the other side wants only two things. And that's money and power at the expense of everything, at the expense of, of people, at the expense of young lives, at the expense of, 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 of marginalized people. That's not what any religious manuscript tells us, not the Bible, not the Quran, uh, not anything, yeah. you know, not the Torah, anything. If you look at all of these religions, if we are indeed going to allow ourselves a moment to, to delve into that, I think that overall peace should be the only thing that we should be thinking of, how we're going to help each other and lift each other up so that we all have a chance. And I think that for, any, for the biggest thing about my campaign is that it is about all of our pain, our collective pain. It's the pain of those families that lost loved ones in Uvalde. It's the pain of a woman that's trying to get reproductive freedom. The pain of some kid that's, uh, you know, LGBTQ community who's just getting marginalized and terrorized. The pain of just trying to make ends meet. And once we have this discussion and we realize that we're all kind of in this thing together, maybe then, maybe then we'll all start saying, okay, there's a better way forward. And that better way is through is through uh, through our party. I'd hope so. Well, I'd thanks hope. so much, Roland. I, I want to remind our followers, it's it's voting season right now. So if uh, you just heard this interview, hopefully it gave you all the motivation you need to get out and vote. Um, mark your calendar, Friday, March 1, end of early voting, Tuesday, March 5. That's called Super Tuesday because a lot of states do their primary that day. So get out. Don't get disengaged. This is not the time to sit it out, folks. Um, so Roland, thank you again. We appreciate you so much. That concludes our interview. As a reminder, Wise of Texas is nonpartisan and nonprofit organization. We welcome interviews with candidates and political leaders who want to reach out to our South Asian followers. We don't endorse any candidates or political party. And you can find this podcast on all platforms where podcasts are available. We are South Asian Voices for South Asian Voters. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Roland. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.